Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. The show is a proud media partner for the 11th Annual Media Excellence Awards, which are produced by Access Entertainment in Los Angeles, California. The Media Excellence Awards are recognized as the most influential awards show, honoring innovation and leadership in all things mobile entertainment, lifestyle, and technology. For more information on how to submit to these awards, please visit MediaXAwards.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have William Hockey. He's the co-founder and CTO at Plaid. William, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Excited to be on. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing at Plaid is actually really, really interesting. But maybe before we get into all that stuff, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Yeah, totally. I can uh, I can give a quick background on myself. Sure. So my name is William. Um, I'm the co-founder and CTO of Plaid. Um, and, and yeah, so I, I, now I live here in San Francisco, but I grew up not too far away from here in a town called San Luis Obispo, okay. about four hours south of San Francisco. Okay, very cool. So you went to university. What did you take and why? Yeah, so I studied computer science and economics in university. I think you know, it kind of shows a little bit of my role and kind of where we are right now. I sure. was always you know, very fascinated by building things. Um, you know, when I was younger, I always liked building things with my hands. But then, you know, as I got older, you know, starting to program and do engineering, it's really cool because I could build something, you know, online or in the computer. And it had that same kind of tactical feel to me. Same time, I also, I also kind of love the economics and finance thing. And so I was lucky enough to be able to study both of them. Okay, interesting. Was there, what made you kind of interested in economics and finance? Was there like another kind of defining moment or, or not really? You know, both of my, uh, so my dad, my grandpa, uh, they're all small business owners and entrepreneurs. And, gotcha. and I, I always thought it'd be super fun to follow in the footsteps. Sure. No, it makes sense, right? And having those things um, as a background is never terrible, right? <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. So you graduate. Walk me through your journey up until kind of you, uh, Plaid became a thing. Yeah, so I um, so so in college I was lucky enough to have a couple internships, and, and I mostly had focused on the programming engineering side of things. Okay. However, I decided to take a bit bit of a break from that and kind of see what the business world was, would look like. And uh, so I went to go work for a very hot second at a consulting firm called Bain. Okay. I was there for I was there for just a little bit, but it was a fabulous learning experience. Um, where I actually ended up meeting my co-founder, Zach, and got to get my first taste of kind of, you know, the professional business world. You know, in the end, I ended up, um, while I loved it, I decided not to go back. Uh, I realized I like pushing code more than pushing PowerPoints. Interesting. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> but um, so, so I left and, and started to just build a bunch of fun applications. You know, this is you know, 2012, um, you know, startup, startup fever was, was in its height. 
and just there's a there's a really incredible energy kind of in the Bay Area in New York about just building building products. Sure. Um, I didn't really I didn't really know what that meant. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I kind of always fell back on this mixture of kind of finance and computer science. And so Zach and I just got really excited about building something in the financial services space. Okay, interesting. We didn't really have uh, an idea. We didn't really know what we wanted to do. But we just thought, like, hey, there's this massive industry out here. It seems fairly archaic. There hasn't been a lot of innovation in here. So, you know, maybe we should still try to build something. Um, so, we, so we ended up moving up, to, moving up to New York and just building stuff in financial services. And it was a, um, it was a total hoop. Okay, interesting. And then so how did you go from that to transitioning into kind of Plaid? And what exactly is Plaid? Totally, totally. No, it's a good question. So we were in New York and we're just building, you know, I was sleeping on my, uh, on my buddy's couch. He had a, he had a, he had a one bedroom in Manhattan, which was, you know, super fancy at the time. So it was pretty cool. (laughs) I got to stay on his couch. And then, um, my co-founder was crashing with his girlfriend and, and we were just building interesting products. Nothing really we got super excited about, but we're just like, Hey, like, let's go build some new budgeting apps. Let's go build some kind of consumer recommendation apps. Um, just kind of just wanted to wanted to see what was out there. Okay, so were you and guys just pro- like, did you guys, where were you guys actually coding? Would you like go meet up somewhere or how did that kind of work? Yeah, so we were we were at my buddy's house. Okay. We, um, Zach had, had spent a brief time working for an angel investor in New York. His name's David Tish. Okay. And he, he gave us some free office space. Nice. Um, and, we, and we were really just, you know, we were young, just trying to get a get a lay of the land. And, and we realized two fairly fundamental things kind of in that process. Um, is one, just from like a passion perspective, we weren't widely excited about building, you know, solely consumer apps. Okay. Um, and then the second, second part was actually building them in financial services was really, really challenging. You know, we could, there was a lot of great tooling around building, you know, mobile apps and websites and web apps. But actually, the moment you had to do anything with financial services, it just became a huge roadblock for us. Interesting. So we, so we ended up just building a lot of this infrastructure to connect all these financial institutions ourselves and kind of built this internal platform. And over time, we realized that this developer platform we were building was actually way more valuable than any consumer application that we were building. So from there, that's kind of when the light bulb went off, and we're like, actually, this could be super interesting. We should just double down on this financial developer platform and start building this full time. Okay, so, so is that kind of the first version of Plaid, or how did that kind of come to be? Yeah, so it's kind of maybe be helpful to do a quick introduction, kind of what Plaid is and, and and where we started there. So what we do is we allow um, developers to get all sorts of financial data from the consumers. And so as a consumer, you can go on and you can send your transactional data, your account data, your payment data to a third-party application. So maybe the best way to think about this is through kind of the, some of our clients' views. And so if you want to go send money to your friend via Venmo or Square Cash, or you want to send, you know, you want to automatically do your taxes in TurboTax, these applications need to connect and exchange information with your financial institution. Right. So let's say I work right. at Chase, I need to be able to hook up my Chase bank account to PayPal or Venmo. What we do is we provide kind of, you can think about the piping, 
that goes between these financial institutions and all these third-party applications. So we do this for about 9,600 financial institutions in the U.S. Wow. and work with over 10,000 wow. developers. Um, so we're, we're, we're a little bit behind the scenes. We're a little bit kind of the, uh, the, the plumbing that makes a lot of this kind of fintech ecosystem work. Okay, interesting. So if I'm, let's maybe go through kind of the, kind of a couple scenarios where if I'm an institution and I want to use your platform, how do I go about doing that? And then we'll do the developer. Yeah, so we, we have a BD team, a business development team that kind of works with all the different financial institutions in the U.S. You know, luckily we know what that list are. There's only a certain amount of financial institutions in the U.S., and so we have relationships with them. Okay. Um, and then we go ahead and connect into either new systems or existing systems that they have in their system, take that data, normalize it. So from a consumer and a developer perspective, you can build into our system and we kind of take away a lot of the complexity and differences between all 9,600 institutions in the U.S. Okay, so instead of me having to go through and build connections to all those different institutions, I just use you guys because you guys have already kind of sorted that out. I, I get that's a very simplified version of what you guys do, but is that kind of accurate? Exactly. That's perfect. Okay. So if I'm a developer, then how do I go about actually working with you guys? Yeah, so it's super easy. And that ease of use is something that we've always put a lot of focus on. And so, you know, when I was a, you know, when I was a, a developer, when we were starting out Plaid, we, there was nothing like this. Like there was, sure. If there was any system, they were really expensive for all of these big enterprises. And nobody was actually talking or speaking directly to me as this independent, young, cheap developer. And so when we built our platform, we really built it for kind of new creators, new builders, new makers in mind. So people that are just starting out on their idea or just building a startup. It's kind of this developer startup ecosystem. So we wanted a platform that was really easy for them to use, and they could get up and running in, a, in an hour and just sign up online. Okay. No need for, you know six months of integration and then all these upfront costs and things like that. And so early on, we're really laser focused on this early developer, making it super, super easy. Now you can just go to plot.com, sign up, fill out a quick form, and you can get building in less than five minutes. Sure. And you can start off for free, correct? Exactly. Okay. So walk me through, you quickly kind of covered it, but you guys kind of do a bunch of different things. So do you want to maybe to kind of talk about the different products and, and data that I can kind of get through Plaid? Totally. So, you know, one of the things that we're very passionate about is this idea of data portability. Okay. And so okay. you as a consumer, you know, you own your own data, whether that's your social data, whether it's your healthcare data, whether it's your financial data, you should be able to have a copy of that and you should be able to use it for whatever you want. And we believe that very strongly in the financial services space, but historically, that hasn't ever been the case. Your financial data has been locked up in your financial institution, and so the only products or services that you can use are the ones offered by your bank. Okay. And so what we, what, you know, what we, as a mission we have is we want to kind of take that data and we want to unlock it. That really boils down to all of our individual products. And so the financial data that we have that we allow consumers to control is so first is payment data. So how do you actually you know, send money in and out of your bank account? 
this isn't so much around you know credit card payments or anything like that. It's more of like a lower level payment. So it's how do you get your payroll? How do you pay off your utility bills? It, right, it goes off this infrastructure called ACH, which is kind of the underlying infrastructure that powers things like checks, your direct deposit, and things like that. And then the second area is transactional data. So you can think about this as everything you see on your bank statement or when you see online. And so this is going to be very useful if you automatically want to do your taxes or budgets or expenses or different things like that. And the third data is around identity data, so who you actually are and who the financial institution thinks you are. So this is mostly used for you know, online verification, risk, identity, and things like that. And then we also have some products that actually take that data and try to find insight into it. Um, the two ones there are assets product and our income product. Okay. And there what we're allowing a developer to do is understand what you as a consumer, your financial health is. So the big use cases of that product are a lot in the lending verticals. So we just signed a partnership with, with Fannie Mae, oh, which is huge, kind of the, oh, thank you, thank you. It's the, the large kind of the, um, the, the somewhat, somewhat government controlled entity that handles most of the mortgages in the U.S. And what we're doing with those products is we're trying to shift the landscape away from, you know, thinking about these kind of esoteric credit scores but more helping companies understand what are the real assets behind the user. So what is your cash flow? What is your income? How much money do you have? And things like that. And so they can build more inclusive and safer underwriting and lending products. Okay, interesting. So how does that, like, I, I guess, how does that kind of work from a consumer side of things, right? Because having access to all this stuff kind of personally is pretty new. Would, would, is that fair to say? Definitely. I mean, I think, especially when you think about FinTech, we're in the very, very early days of kind of this new wave of financial services. You know, historically, financial services, your relationship has only been in your bank. Yeah. Right? You go to the bank, you go to the teller, you know, maybe you have this, you know, fancy new thing called an ATM or something like that. But in all reality, you've only ever interacted with one financial institution. And now what we're seeing is an, is an individual, you could have 5, 10, 15 different relationships with different applications and companies that are doing very specific things tailored directly to your needs. And so with that comes an increasingly focus on the consumer, which is where we've put a lot of our energy recently. So we want to make sure that as a consumer, they know exactly who we are and what they're doing. So we actually rolled out a project that's actually directly messaging to the consumer. So the first time that we're, our brand is in front of consumers. So every time that you go, you know, hook up your bank account to send money to your friend or your payroll or whatnot, you actually seen that Plaid brand. We're directly messaging to you. We're saying, hey, you know, Venmo uses Plaid to connect your bank account. So it gives us an opportunity to really talk to the consumer directly and let them know, you know, the power that they have to actually control their own finances. Interesting. Okay. So having access to that, because I, I think the big problem, and, and you can give me your opinion on this, that I've had seen is, and we all know that like, you know, whether you have an Android phone or an iPhone or, or a handful of other different devices, it doesn't really matter. But part of the big problem right now is like, if I want to send you money and we're using different devices, 
it's tricky, right? I, I know there's payment solutions that kind of do it, but like we both have to be kind of running the same apps or have the same kind of devices. So how are you guys kind of bridging that gap? Because I think that's at the end of the day, what a lot of people are probably really interested in using Plaid for, right? Because I, I think that's a huge issue and you guys are solving that. But I, And I want to make sure people are clear about kind of exactly how you guys do that. No, I think I think you're you hit the nail on the head. I mean, something we think about too is kind of this, this concept of interoperability, right? And yeah. so it, it shouldn't have to matter. It shouldn't have to matter whether you bank with a you know the large you know Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan's, or if you bank with a you know your local small credit union, you should have the same access to financial products. You should be able to send send money to your friends. You should be able to pay your taxes, mm -hmm. and that's what we're doing is we're trying, to, we're trying to even the playing field across financial services. So as a consumer, you have the right to your own data, and you can port your data from your credit union or your big box bank to any application out there. You know, so that, you know, we're, 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 still, you know we're still a long ways away from totally finishing that future, but I definitely think the, the, story is, the story is very early. Yeah, no, I just wanted to kind of reiterate that because I think that's kind of obviously where things are going and, and you guys at Platt are kind of moving that forward, right? And so just to make sure people fully understand that. But I want to go back to the developer a little bit because you guys have a bunch of libraries um, and I think a lot of developers listen to the show. So do you want to kind of talk about the different stuff that you guys give to developers to actually build you know, this kind of functionality into their apps or where they're kind of working? Definitely, definitely. So developers has always personally been kind of near, <laughs> near and dear to my heart because we built Plaid yeah. to solve a problem that we really had. And so like I was, I was joke, I was the first customer of Plaid. Like, this is what I always wanted. And so, and one of the big, big problems that I had when I first started out is you actually don't know a lot about financial services. Maybe you have this really cool new idea but how the underlying infrastructure actually works is pretty complicated. And, and one of our goals is we actually you know, don't want you to have to know about everything. We want to take a lot of that complexity away. So whether it's about the legal side or the security side or the compliance side, we actually handle a lot of that for developers. And so we give you, you know, a JavaScript SDK or an iOS SDK that you can install in your iPhone app or your web app or Android app or whatnot and we handle all of the security, all the authentication, all the interaction with the financial institution. So all that we return to you is over an API, all the information that you need to get your job done. Along with that, we provide you know, a lot of comprehensive documentation online, and we're just starting to invest in a new publication called FIN, fin.plod.com, F-I-N, we're, we're actually writing a lot of tutorials and articles just about the financial system. So not so much just about Plaid, but help you understand, hey, what is ACH? How do credit card works? What is the Federal Reserve? How does all of this interact together? So kind of making this, this, this library and this documentation that's very easy to use, tutorials and documentation for developers, for entrepreneurs, for small business owners that want to do something interesting in financial services but maybe don't know all the complexity behind it. Interesting. Okay. Um, I just, I kind of just want to make sure so people can understand, like you guys have libraries for kind of, you know, Node.js, Python, Ruby, Java, Go, and then you have some example apps for kind of all those I mentioned and iOS and Android and, and, and whatnot. I, I think that 
just giving that stuff away to kind of get people started or at least playing with this stuff and they can kind of integrate what you guys are doing um, into their apps or, or maybe into their job, I, I think is kind of worth reiterating because I think you're, you guys are saving developers and companies a huge amount of time by providing this. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate the kind words. Sorry, I missed that. But yeah, yes, I mean, I think, you know, when we started, you know, we were, you know, you'd look at some of these systems and they're like, oh, we just have like a Java library, yeah. we just have a C Sharp yeah. library. And we're like, actually, no, we're on Node or Python, like what's going on? And so from the early days, we wanted to make sure that we support all these different languages and provide a huge amount of sample code. So whether it's Python, Go, Node, Swift, or whatnot, you can actually go and use our products. And then we also build lots of, lots of fun sample apps. And so if you want to, you know, get a lot of that kind of backbone and kind of that scaffolding, we provide a lot of that for you. You know, we, we spend a lot of time going to, going to fun hackathons or college hackathons and stuff like that. And it's really inspiring to see, you know, these people take our sample app and in 24 hours take this into a full-fledged product that we didn't even think could exist. And they did that because we provided a lot of that sample code and just make it super easy to use Plaid, no matter what language you're using. Sure. And then you guys are using kind of the modern languages to talk to some of the more kind of traditional banking languages. Not to say those languages aren't necessarily being used today, but some of them are a little bit more outdated than others. Some, some are still used widely, others aren't. Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. So internally, we mostly use a language called Go, okay. uh, which is a, fa a fairly new language developed out of Google, I think about maybe eight years or so ago now. And then we also use uh, a language called TypeScript, which was developed okay. out of Microsoft about uh, four or five years ago. We use a variety of other kind of languages as well. We have some Java and Python back there, but a majority of the technology we use is based on Go and TypeScript. Got you. Okay. So... And then how do you guys kind of handle security? Because if you're sitting in between two financial institutions, you know, probably a lot of people care about how you guys kind of handle security. No, it's, it's a really good question. So I think about it in a couple of different ways. I think okay. we're a little bit different. So, so I'll give you kind of the, the, the two sides of it is one is how do you handle security in the ecosystem and how do you handle security in Plaid? So when we started, there was this paradigm where you had a lot of these chains of information. So as a consumer, I give my really sensitive financial data to this application. This application then gives that to someone like Plaid. Plaid then gives that to the financial institution, mm -hmm. which sounds great on theory, but what you're doing is you're having to trust three different parties in the system. Mm -hmm. And if there's thousands of applications out there, that means you have thousands of applications that are holding this sensitive financial data. Likely that not all of them actually have great security, but also it's not their job. Like they're trying to build this incredible consumer app. They're not a professional security company. So what we did is we built a lot of these SDKs that as a developer, you actually install in the front end of your code or the front end of your app. And we'll, as Plaid, we'll actually talk to the consumer and grab all that sensitive financial data and send that back to us directly. So as an application, you never have to touch that data. And so now it kind of went from thousands of people having this data to just Plaid and just a financial institution. Interesting. So it's just kind of, it's kind of fun to see how just like a small product decision there actually secured the entire ecosystem. And so we're constantly thinking about, hey, like what products can we offer? What can we build? 
to not just secure Plaid, but how do we how do we make the financial institutions more secure? How do we make these applications secure? And then kind of the second part of that is like as a company at Plaid, how do we think about security? Um, so one is from a product perspective and the team perspective is we don't we don't think security should necessarily be you know this whole separate team that is different from the developers building everything day to day. Okay. Is we want security to run through every single project we're building. And security itself should be a fir- first class product just like our API, just like our design or anything like that. So while we do have a really incredible security team, we make sure that every single developer and every single engineer knows exactly you know, how is the system I'm building make things more secure or less secure, and they're responsible for that. Because as an engineering company, the moment you have that kind of diffused responsibility, you think somebody else is going to take care of the security, it's going to, it's going to kind of get in the back of your mind that I don't have to worry about this. Yeah. So the team we're constantly pushing yeah. to be like security is something that we all think about, we all do, and we are build. And then from a values perspective, is we think that security is something that we offer to our clients. So as a developer building on the platform, I shouldn't have to think about security, compliance, legal, anything like that. So from a, our perspective, we we take a lot of pride in that. Like we wanna. We get really excited about securing the ecosystem in Plaid because that's just another thing the developer doesn't have to do. So again, you know, overall, just security is a huge value and it's a huge product for us. Something that I spend personally a huge amount of my time on hiring the best and brightest from, you know, from Facebook, from Square, from Google, all these really top top-notch companies, and making sure that they Plaid is a super exciting place for them to work. Interesting. Yeah. No. I. It, it's interesting because I think like obviously security. For, for a lot of this stuff is, is kind of a lot of people's kind of top priority, but um, it's it's very complicated to do. And especially if you're, you know, one developer or a small team of developers trying to handle all this across all these, ba- like it's an astronomical amount of work and time and effort that goes into not only keeping things current, keeping things secure. And, and just so like using something like you guys will save people an astronomical amount of time. Like I've, done just in my kind of previous jobs I've, I've done stuff where I w- I've always kind of been a, I'm a designer by trade so but like I've always worked on the kind of front end working with the developers that have had to implement some of this stuff across a number of banks and it's like it's an astronomical task to care about all the different things and make sure they constantly stay working right plus being secure plus being you know a handful of other things so I, I think you guys feel a very kind of niche need that's like huge, right? And like you said, a lot of people um, up until kind of recently, you guys were kind of in the back end and I'm happy that you guys are kind of coming a bit more forward because I think people need to know and understand that you guys are kind of around and and do this stuff because they can save them a ton of time. And I can vouch for that kind of personally because I've been in the trenches building this stuff, right? Totally. No, I mean, you know, when you're a developer and when you're just starting out a new business, you, you know, you shouldn't have to worry about this stuff that's not really core to your experience. Yeah. You should go back to work, yeah. just building, you know, these beautiful designs, beautiful UIs, and focusing on that consumer value proposition. And for me, at least when I started playing, like I was always looking for shortcuts, right? Like, mm-hmm. how can I make some, somebody else do something so I can figure out exactly what I need to do right now? And so that's a lot kind of how we think about this is what can we take off a developer's plate? What can we do for them 
to make sure that they can launch their app faster so they can have their experience be easier and in the end more successful. Sure. And then you guys also have relationships with all the, you know, kind of major players, right? Where even just if I was starting out, I'd have to go make all these relationships, right? Or at least some of them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's there's a lot of financial institutions in the U.S. and, you know, dealing with them is, you know, shall we say, quite quite complex. And, mm -hmm. you know, they don't exactly operate in the same way that a lot of other businesses do. Sure. And so that's why it's important for us to spend a lot of our time with them, invest a lot in their success and making sure that, you know, they're excited about building this financial future together as well. Thanks for listening to Building the Future. This show is heard by more than a million people monthly in over 15 markets worldwide, including Silicon Valley. Kevin Horick's guests are leading business owners, successful entrepreneurs, and merchandisers worldwide. Now, your brand has an opportunity to tap into this dedicated and active group of business people who are looking for places to invest and the right opportunities to support. Find out how you can get involved at buildingthefutureshow.com. Do you guys just work in, in the States or North America, or can I kind of transfer stuff globally? Yeah, so, so right now we're mostly focused on North America. Okay. So we are live okay. in the U.S. with about 9,600 institutions here. And then um, with about 80 to 90% um, of consumers in Canada. Um, we definitely, we have aspirations to be global. You know, my, my dream would be you can build an application in Europe or Canada or Asia, United States. You build it once and it's automatically deployed to, you know, all these billions of consumers globally. Um, that's like such a, I think that's so, so inspiring to me to think that anybody can build something that can affect somebody's lives 2,000 miles away. That being said, that, you know, that, that road is long. Um, and right now we're just in the U.S. and Canada, right. um, but hopefully launching some new countries in the coming years. Interesting. So how do you, do you guys handle any cryptocurrencies right now, or is it still kind of too early on um, in that space? So I'm personally super bullish on, on crypto as a, as a large holder myself. And, okay. and, and, my, and my co-founder and I have been investing and passionate about cryptocurrency for, for years now. Um, but as a company... We power a lot of um, a lot of the cryptocurrency players, and so we can't talk about them. Um, we can't talk about them directly, but we work with almost every single large exchange in the U.S. That being said, where we where we play in is we help them go from U.S. fiat. So, kind of how do we take and think about getting money from the existing financial system onto onto one of the blockchains into any sort of um, crypto fiat? So we don't. We don't actually interact with the blockchain. We just mostly help these companies exchange value between the two systems. Yeah, okay, interesting. That was actually going to be my next question to you guys. Like, how do you guys, do you guys, are you guys kind of doing blockchain development or, or how do you guys kind of, how does that tie into your business or does it tie in at all? You know, I, I think right now, um, right now we aren't doing anything specifically internally focused around cryptocurrency. I'd okay. say we are focused okay. on solving a lot of the problems that cryptocurrency can generate. You know, one of the big problems right now when you're trying to get information, when you're trying to get verified on one of these exchanges, actually, how do I prove my physical identity? Right? How do I show who I am? How do I actually show that I have enough money to buy? You know, the Stellar, this Ethereum, this Bitcoin Cash, or whatnot. So we focus a lot of our time on those problems, and so we work really heavily with a bunch of the exchanges 
on identity verification, on flow of funds and things like that. And so I'd say we would definitely take a supporting role into the entire cryptocurrency ecosystem, but we are not um, we are not developing anything directly on the blockchain or using anything like that. Okay. So where do you guys kind of see the space maybe going in the next few years? Like you must start to see some trends kind of emerging. Like, do you think we could potentially maybe have a global currency or there will be a handful of global currencies or will it just kind of not really matter? We'll just kind of, you know, you guys will just let me pull data kind of hypothetically globally at some point and it, the, you know, almost like the software will just sort out the currency that it needs to convert to almost in real time. Like, where do you kind of see the space going? Do you have any predictions or thoughts? Uh, when you say the space, do you mean um, the, the crypto blockchain space or just larger financial services? Well, I, I think maybe a bit of both because I think they kind of will merge or, or stay separate or figure out how to play together at some point, right? My opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. You know, I, I don't. Um, I wish I had more insight into cryptocurrency than I do. If, if I did, I'd probably be a much richer man. Um, but you know, I, I think you know, I am very long and bullish on this space. I'm not quite sure that we've figured out the value yet. Okay. Um, I think, especially okay. here in the U.S., you know, what is the direct, tangible value that the blockchain in crypto delivers? I don't know if we solve that problem yet. I think in some countries we maybe have around you know payments or voting or whatnot but in here in the u.s is still a fairly unsolved problem i'm, I'm confident that we're going to I, I do buy that you know the blockchain and crypto will be hugely transformational long term but i think it'll probably take definitely a couple more years and i, I don't really have any thoughts on what that could look like okay. i'm very hopeful it will and i hope it will impact everybody in a really positive and incredible way but i don't know i think the larger the larger trends i think are, are definitely pretty obvious where you see a lot of the innovation, you see a lot of the power kind of shifting away from some of these larger financial institutions into more of a consumer-first model, where there are specific applications being built to solve a direct consumer need. So whether that being, you know, we can see the rise of, you know, rocket loans and Quicken loans, where actually, you know, all they do is provide consumer mortgages, and they do a really incredible job at that, and they do that better than almost any financial institution. You can look at this at Square Cash or Venmo. These are non-financial institutions that are actually doing the best bank-to-bank -bank transfer. At the same time, though, you also see a lot of the existing financial services companies kind of building new applications that are consumer-first, very friendly. You look at some of the advisory products coming out of Charles Schwab. You look at some of the new investment products like Marcus coming out of Goldman Sachs. So it's really cool where you have this, the existing legacy players innovating and actually becoming more consumer friendly. And you have all these third party applications that are coming up the chain that are threatening the banks to a little bit to, to an extent, but they're focused very much on these kind of one-off consumer use cases and doing a really, really excellent job at that. And so this kind of this decoupling of financial services is a trend that I think we'll see continue to accelerate definitely over the next decade. Yeah, interesting, because I, I, I agree. I, I think the interesting thing that I find, too, is like a lot of cases, if, if I just need like a simple loan for a car or even sometimes a mortgage, right? Like you could probably do a lot of it or most of them just kind of from an app on a phone, right? Like if especially if I've been if I have my history with a bank or, 
you know, I, I integrate with you guys and you can pull my history from my current bank. Like in, in a lot of cases, like actually having to go to a bank and kind of apply for a loan and, and kind of, you know, people are busy and, and obviously probably saves the bank time and money too if I don't have to physically go there and I can just do it within a matter of minutes kind of from my device or my computer. Like I think in a lot of cases, just saving people and the bank and the institution's time is where a lot of this stuff's going to go. And sure, it's more convenient for consumers, but it's also more convenient for the banks too. Do you agree with that? Definitely. I mean, I think the the kind of the digitation, the um the, the, the cause of information going purely digital and allowing better data portability amongst financial institutions, amongst financial institutions and application is positive on all sides. It saves the financial institutions a ton of money. It allows them to have more competitive rates because they have better insight into the consumers. And also from the application side, it allows them to create these really fast, really incredible products for consumers. I think in the end, it's the applications that win, the consumers win, and the financial institutions win as well. It creates a more co competitive, more cohesive environment. And in that environment, the consumers can always can be the one that win. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I think it's interesting because you do see some of the banking apps, even from the big kind of guys, are getting really good, right? And they're spending a huge amount of time actually making um, their apps kind of way better, where even five, 10 years ago, some of them were pretty atrocious. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it just kind of shows, I think, this um, this trend where it's long term, I don't think innovation is going to purely come from from these small developers. It's definitely, I think, the majority is going to come from them. But these larger companies and these larger financial institutions are going to get more sophisticated. They, they need to become more consumer friendly if they're going to survive. And a lot of them are. I mean, you can look at some of the products that are coming out of Goldman Sachs with the new Marcus offering. I think you have some of the new products coming out of JP Morgan and Ally. They are really, really excellent products, and they've done an incredible job. And I think, you know, the, the technology that they're pushing out definitely rivals a lot of the stuff in Silicon Valley. So I've been, I've been super impressed. I think a lot of those come from acquisitions of startups. You can see sure. this with Goldman Sachs acquiring, you know, Clarity Money, them acquiring some, um, some lenders as well. And so they are they're developing a really impressive set of tech talent and consumer product talent in-house. And so I think hopefully we'll definitely see this trend continue. Sure. So I, I want to talk a little bit about kind of pricing. Um, you can get started for free, but how does it kind of work after I get over my kind of free limit? Yeah, so it's very, it's very much driven on how many consumers that you bring on the platform. So when we originally started Plaid, um, we were always really frustrated as a small company, the small developers, because all these, all these big enterprise companies would charge these massive support fees and licensing fees. So you end up paying tens of thousands of dollars before you actually use a product. And that was always really frustrating. So I kind of promised myself, like, hey, we aren't, we aren't going to be like that. So now as a developer, you can get started for free, and you actually don't pay us anything until you actually start to bring consumers on. So we charge on something that we think aligns very much with our developers and kind of the value that we deliver. So every time that you onboard a consumer onto our platform, we charge you for that consumer. And so you, as you start to scale up and as you start to add more consumers, we start to charge you more money. Because initially, when you're just building with your friends and family, you pay us almost nothing. So we really want to make sure that our pricing 
is very much in line with what the developer wants and kind of how they're building their application. Sure. And then will you guys do custom integrations for me as well if I need that? You know, we try not to do almost any custom work okay. um, because that actually allows us to build more scalable, faster, and cheaper solutions for the developers. The moment you start to kind of look like a one-off consulting shop and you start to build custom solutions for people, you just internally accumulate a lot of tech debt, maintenance gets really expensive, yeah. and then your core product really suffers. And so as a company, we almost across the board don't do any custom work. You know, you can, you know, we definitely try to listen to our developers as much as possible and be like, hey, like, you know, we try to be very transparent with our product roadmap and try to understand, you know, what are you building and to make sure that we're building everything our consumers want. But in terms of, you know, one-off work, we don't do much of that. Okay, that's kind of what I figured, but I, I thought I would mention that. But I, but I would also assume that if there's something that you guys don't support yet that I need, you would potentially maybe build it eventually so anybody that's using Plaid could actually have access to it. Is that fair to say? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. You know, one of one of the things that we um, you know we get a majority of our product roadmap from our developers because they're the ones that are really pushing pushing the forefront of financial services, and they're constantly dragging us into new spaces. This is what happened with Canada, where we had um, you know Canada wasn't initially on our roadmap, but we had so many customers that were like, I really want to launch in Canada. You know, I like the only reason I can is because something like Plaid doesn't exist in Canada, mm -hmm. and so we were like, "Oh wow, this actually seems like a really good opportunity. It allows us to have a bunch of U.S. companies operating in Canada more efficiently, and then also empowers a bunch of these Canadian developers to go build something incredible as well." So it was really a win-win for everybody. But that was that move was very much driven by our customers. Interesting. No, I I think that's that's quite fascinating. So we're kind of coming to the end of the show, but I really want to maybe give people a quick overview again of kind of what Plaid is and then where they can get more information about the, about Plaid. Totally. So, so we're Plaid. What we do is we empower consumers to be able to take their financial data and use it in any single third-party financial application. And we do this by building a developer platform that connects into 9,600 banks in the U.S. So as a developer, you can build... You can build an integration to Plaid, expose this data to your consumers, and build a new financial application. It's a little bit confusing, but we, uh, we encourage people to go to Plaid.com. Recently, just redesigned our website to kind of explain what we do in an easy-to-use, really beautiful fashion. So definitely encourage people, if they're looking to build in financial services, to, to go check out Plaid. And then, you know, if you're a developer or you're in San Francisco, we always encourage people to uh, um, to maybe apply for a job here as well. We're always hiring. Perfect, man. Is there any specific type of roles that you guys are looking for right now that you want to maybe mention? Yeah, so I mean, there. You know, if you're smart and if you're passionate about startups and technology, you know, we're hiring across the board. We're looking okay. to we're looking to over double next year. Wow. Um, so if you're smart, if you're excited, if you're in San Francisco. Um, go ahead, check out our job listings online. I think we have almost 50 different open recs. Oh, wow. So there's probably something that aligns, aligns with whatever your skill sets are. Okay, and they have to move or can they work remote? Um, you know, if you're, if you're on the engineering team, um, we're a little bit more flexible on remote. Okay. We also have offices in New York City and Salt Lake. Okay. Um, so we tend to prefer people to be in person, but if you're on the engineering or design side, uh, we are a little bit more flexible on the remote work. 
Perfect, William. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time and your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you, and have a good rest of your day. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show, and and uh, looking forward to staying in touch. Thanks, man. We'll talk soon. Okay, bye. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.